Hello, dear listeners. Welcome to the ECM podcast. I'm Caroline Fontagneux, and I'm very happy to host this series that will take you behind the scenes of new music on ECM Records. In this third episode, I'm virtually meeting with Jacob Bro, the Danish guitarist who made his first appearance on ECM as a member of drummer Paul Motion's band. For his fifth album as a leader for ECM, Bro presents a new trio featuring Norwegian trumpeter Arve Henriksen and Spanish drummer Jorge Rossi. Jacob Bro talked about the meaning of his titles, the particularity of this trio, and what inspired this album, Uma Elmo. Bro's song titles are very poetic and are setting the tone. I wanted to know what they meant for him. For example, how do you reconstruct a dream or what makes morning song a morning song? That's a really good question. I think some titles come before the um, recording of the composition and some titles come afterwards. Morning Song was entitled by Manfred, basically, because it was uh, I didn't have a title for the song, and we did it one time each morning of the recording session. And the first time we did it, Manfred was sitting there listening. He said, "Morning Song," because it was you know morning first song. And I was like, "Man, that's a great title. Let's uh, let's call it Morning Song." Reconstructing a dream that might have been a title that I also came up with after recording it with Paul Motion and Kurt Rosenwinkel and Ben Street. Back in the day, we we did a quartet album, a quartet version of that piece, and Kurt was taking a solo, and it, yeah, I I just felt like it had such a dreamlike quality, basically. The he he we played the melody together, and then Kurt just improvised freely on the song, basically. And um, me listening back to that take just it just reminded me of of being inside a dream or something. And that's it's often how I sort of construct my titles and and. I'm listening to the music and and then I'm trying to visualize what's going on. Sometimes I have some titles prepared for a recording session and then, you know, I might change them around so it it might be a song that I wrote for instance like a morning song might have had a different title. Uh, and then, you know, I find out that it's supposed to be called morning song then I use that other title. For a different song, and with no lyrics, it's uh, you have a lot of freedom, I guess. So this album is is your fifth album on, on ECM. Yeah. Um, and as you were saying a little earlier, it's it's the first one uh, bassless. And uh, in my interview with uh, with Joe Lovano. Um, We were talking about his trio that has no bass too, and uh, he was saying that there's a space that needs to be realized. In your case, how did this idea uh, for the trio with Arvin and Jorge come together, and and is it more pressure for you or le like about your former trio? You were saying like this trio has been the constellation that has allowed me to focus on my solo voice. So with a different formation, do you feel like there's more pressure on your solo voice or less? Like, how do you position yourself in this specific trio? Well, I wanted to say that I'd feel less pressure without a bass. 
but then again, my whole sort of approach to music and my sort of philosophy about playing is that I don't want to feel pressure. <laughs> so it's like, even though it might be a classic trio setting with bass and drums, um, and I'm expected to be playing the solo after the melody, for me that's like a, a great invitation to not do that. So I, I constantly try to sort of, if I feel pressure in some way of doing something, then I want to go the opposite direction, basically. So pressure-wise, no, it's the same for me to be in a situation with a bass as it is without a bass. Um, you know, the drums is supposed to play the rhythm, the bass is supposed to, to take care of the, the, the low part and the groove and the harmony. And I, I, I kind of, you know, all these things are, you know, are happening by itself, but I don't want them to be uh, rules or something. So it's it's the same same, like, with this trio, I mean, I might lay out or I might want to say something. It's, it's, I, I take the liberty to do both, basically. And then, you know, I just expect that my fellow musicians, you know, they, yeah, they do what they hear, basically. They, they follow their ideas and, and believe in their ideas. And, and it, it takes a lot of trust, I think, because it, I would think that it can feel like, if you haven't played with, with me before, it might feel like somebody just threw away the carpet underneath you because I oftentimes just like, yeah, you deal with the melody in the, in the first, you know, the first 10 minutes of the concert is fine. You're just on your own here. And, and, and I'm not even telling people to do that. It's just, a, it's just because I all of a sudden hear that this could be a nice um, introduction to the concert, for instance. And that it's not because I want to leave people hanging or anything. It's simply just because I feel like not playing and I feel like listening to, you know, this person playing instead. So, so I'm always trying to, you know, brush off the pressure in a way. And also I'm, I'm trying to tell my band members that they shouldn't expect anything in particular from me. I'm not the one telling them when the song is over. I'm not the one telling them when the melody should be played. I won't tell them when to, you know, if, if they should play the melody at the end again or something. I, I, I don't really like to, to, to be a band leader like that. So I think my my music and and my sort of stamp on my own music comes from the freedom I'm giving to the musicians, but also, yeah, I'm just, I, I do put music in front of them. I, I, I have thought about the, you know, the lineup. I have thought about uh, the musicians. I know their sound, I know what they sound like and, and what I like about them. and, and and yeah, so I've written music that I think will fit into these musicians' uh, voices. And then once we meet, once the music starts going, I sort of let go. I, I don't want to be the leader anymore. I want it to be a completely collective approach to the music. Quartet um, with, with Arve Henriksen, Jorge Rossi, and uh, Larry Grenadier. Um, but due to Corona and the pandemic, um, Larry was not able to, to travel from the US. Um, yeah, I was in dialogue with ECM and, and talked to Manfred Eicher about how we could uh, move forward 
without uh, Larry. And uh, yeah, we sh we changed our focus a little bit. And Manfred came up with the idea of changing the studios. We were supposed to be in, in La Poussong and uh, where I've been recording my last couple of albums for ECM. But, but Manfred thought that with, with the change of lineup, no bass, um, we could benefit from, from using a, a different room this time. Yeah, so he, he changed the dates by a week, I think, and, and, and booked us into the the hall in Lugano. It's a really unique and um, beautiful sounding room. And uh, to me, that change of location was sort of a stroke of, of genius from Manfred's side, I think. That gave us the, the opportunity to, to to play without headphones and to really embrace the sound of, of the group, which would have been very different, I think, if we were in a, in a more isolated studio with, with, with headphones and stuff. So, so Manfred's idea about changing the rooms uh, when the lineup also changed was, was really just brilliant. Talk to me uh, briefly about like Arvin and and Jorge. I mean, I understood that there's no specific role and it's just like a whole collective approach to to, to the music. But can you talk to me on a human level uh, a little bit about Arvin Henriksen and Jorge Rossi? So I've been an admirer of Jorge for many many years. I started listening to him when I was. Very young, I was, I, was, I was listening to Brad Meldau's trio and I was, I was listening to Jorge play with Kurt Rosenwinkel. I was hearing him in Chris Cheek's bands and Ben Mondos and all, all the American musicians that I was admiring. Jorge was sort of, he was there somehow. And I just remember him as being a really warm and poetic drummer. He was playing, sometimes I was, I was really listening to, especially the live things from the Village Vanguard with Brad Meldau's trio, and I was just trying to figure out what was going on. I loved the music so much, and then there was whole, this whole sort of aspect of the music that I didn't understand, like the whole, some of these songs were in odd meters, and I was counting, and I couldn't, you know, where's one, what's going on? <laughs> and, um, you know, most of the times I would just, like, enjoy the music because it was so full of love and melody and and life to me but then sometimes i would go into this more nerdy like how, how are they doing this and i was counting i was walking and while i was walking i was counting and i, I just couldn't get it and and what amazed me the most was how that trio and 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 therefore also Jorge could be playing so freely and make it sound so musical in a in a in a in a context that in in most other cases would sound very uh, very strict and very like we have to do this right somehow i mean i was like how is that even possible uh so i, I yeah I've, been, I've just been following him as a musician and it, it it he he really amazes me i don't know how he does it um the way he you know he stopped playing drums and all of a sudden he wanted to play the piano and the vibes and i was like man this is this is so good he'll be there inside of the music with you somehow and it's almost like he can do whatever he wants, and the music is, you know, the music is going on around him, and he's he's just he's just sitting there like, and whatever he does is perfect, and it sounds so effortless, and also it's so um, 
encouraging and it's also extremely helpful what he's doing. It's it's really special. I did a, a sound check with Larry Grenady and Jorge Rossi in Denmark one time. We were just <clears throat> sound checking and him and Larry were doing uh, just a little intro or something and 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 Jorge was, was playing something on the drum kit where I just couldn't believe it. I was like, well, how, what, what did you just do there? You set up the time. It was so grooving and that was it just came out of the blue and it looked like you were, you know, doing nothing. Just like you could have been eating a bag of popcorn or something. <laughs> so he has this, uh, he has many, many gifts, I think. Uh, uh, and, uh, and as a human being, he's, yeah, he's, he's just wonderful. He's so warm and yeah, he's full of energy. He's supportive. He's, and he loves music. And somehow, you know, he just added to the myth by wanting to play a different instrument somehow in the middle of everything. I was like, are you serious? And then all of a sudden, you know, he he played with Wayne Shorter for a long tour where Brian Blade couldn't play with him. So he subbed for Brian Blade in, in, in Wayne Shorter's band. So he was playing with Wayne Shorter all of a sudden on drums in a period of his life where he wasn't really interested in playing the drums. It's pretty wild somehow to have that musicality and could, could go there somehow. He's, he doesn't wanna, he, he doesn't have any, he's not an ego person or anything. He, he loves music and he's following music in the directions that he thinks is, is are interesting. And he's super serious. It's, it's really inspiring to know him. <laughs> Arve, I haven't met. Uh, well, I, had, I hadn't met Arve before the recording session, and I did not know his music very well until maybe four years before the session. I was introduced by uh, some friends to Super Silent, and I started, you know, hearing his sound, and and that struck me immediately. Uh, that flute-like sound he had on one track on a Super Silent album. I can't remember which one it was, but. I immediately just thought that that I really wanted to collaborate with him in some sense at some point in my life. And we started talking about it. You know, some plans didn't work out and all of a sudden the right the right moment was there and and, and I'm very happy about that. We we met in the hotel breakfast in Lugano. That was my first meeting where I was sitting there having having breakfast and then, you know, this person is tapping my shoulder. Good morning. And I was like, hmm. I didn't even know how he looked like. <laughs> and then two hours later we're we're recording together. You know, that's some that's a part of the beauty about music also. You can create something with someone you don't really know. Just like that. I, I didn't really know what was going to happen, and that was very uh, quite intriguing. But it was very easy. Always, as we we set up, we we talk and chat, and then I put in like let's start with this one here, and then I don't really want anybody to touch the song before we record it. And then Manfred just says go, and we we found each other basically. We found the room. We you know we instantly just like throw out these lines to each other, like so we are connected in a way. Oh, he's hitting the drum kit, he's touching a cymbal, and that sort of generates an idea or, of a sound from me, or, and then Arve hears something, and the, the whole thing just like starts blossoming or something. It's a very natural process, I think, and it feels like 
for this session, it was very easy. Can you tell me what does Umaelmo means? Yeah, so it's um, it's basically the middle names of my of my children. My daughter is called Downy Uma, and my son is called Oswald Elmo. And <clears throat> we don't really use the middle names for anything. My son is ten months old, and my daughter is three years. It, it, they take up a lot of time, of course, and and so it was sort of I couldn't really, you know, get past the thought of needing to sort of involve them in the in the record in some sort of way uh, and then I th yeah the, those two names just came up I, I like the sound of Uma Elmo it yeah it's feminine and masculine at the same time to me when I saw them together those two names it almost it was also spiritual in a way to see those names because I didn't really know what you know the, I don't really know the meaning I don't know why I was thinking about the Amazonas I was thinking about a different part of the world somehow for some reason that I was sort of with that name yeah hinting a different environment somehow so I just figured that that, that it was a good uh, good title for the album somehow I like it <laughs> thank you so much Jakob well you're welcome record Uma Elmo. Thank you for joining, choosing and listening to our ECM podcast. I'm Caroline Fontagneux and I look forward to sharing more music with you in the next episode.